Hello, and welcome to the Cash News Podcast, informative conversations about all things currency and cash. We'll share insights on the issues affecting the world of cash today, like cash security, payments technology, and the cash supply chain. Your hosts, Tom Meehan and Sean Ferrari, hope to inform industry professionals and support better cash security and management by sharing the latest information on trends, strategies, and technology. This is the Cash News Podcast. Now, here's Tom and Sean. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Cash News. Sean, I don't know what episode number we're at. It could be 50, it could be 35. Yeah, it's unknown at this point. It's the summer, the episodes blend into each other it's just uh somewhere i think let's go with in the 40s it's in the it's in the middle of 30 and 50 so somewhere around 40 yeah well oh <laughs> uh, it is the summer so i don't you know i also we're gonna do a better job at when we tape these trying to figure out when you'll actually get to hear them so it's the end of august i actually think you're probably gonna hear it within the next two weeks so uh it's good when we're we're gonna, we're gonna talk about current events what do we want to talk about today? Today's been like an interesting day in the news, right? So student debt, what what are your thoughts on the, the announcement with student debt? What does it mean? Well, I don't know. If I'm, from a currency standpoint, I'm not sure it means a whole lot of uh, payments. Obvious, you know, it, it'll continue to free up some liquidity and, you know, so people can spend in other things and help the economy along. You know, I'll stay out of the political realm of is it a good idea or not a good idea to forgive the debt, but it has been or will be forgiven, uh, some of it. Anyway, to up to $10,000 for some people, depending on your income. If your budget's tight and you have student debt, well, there's $10,000 uh, free dollars. So it should help spending a little bit anyway. So yeah, that's kind of my thought on that. Uh, I don't think it will, it definitely won't hurt spending. I'm not sure that it will really fight in the inflation aspect of it, but I don't know that it's large enough to make really much of a difference. I, I think I'm with you. I was, I, I was <laughs> same, same thought as I, I don't think, I don't think it's negative and um, taking the politics out of it. There's no negative impact. Um, what I'm hoping is that people that were paying their loans now have money to pay for other things. Right. And, and, as we know, Sean, that actually might not be good for the inflation piece. So yeah, like, so it's, it's a little... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're both doing it at the same time. That was unplanned. It's always good, I think, to infuse liquidity back to people in some case. But I think what we're seeing is that you know money was cheap for a really long time and was easy. And now we're paying, we're paying the inflation price, which is, I guess, to be expected. No, yeah, I mean, I think it, well, I think everybody, or a lot of people anyway, thought that inflation was coming, uh, given how long the the money was so cheap to get. And we've talked about I talked about it before, but just the the event of the Ukraine war and and everything kind of added fuel to the inflation fire, and uh, yeah. it went probably you know from zero to a thousand, a thousand, and you know no time rather than a slow ramp up. It just kind of hit. <laughs> so it was. Yeah, I think it's. Um just leading into that i mean there was a lot of so in the last 10 days a lot of retailers released earnings and i'm not going to get into the specifics of earnings mainly because it's not really what we do here but it was interesting that a lot of those retailers also went out and talked about what consumer trends look like which i do think directly relates to us because we always are talking about payments and what people are doing because it really does matter and the financial times had a really interesting piece and wall street journal very similar all kind of talking about what consumers were doing and i'm not going to quote specifically but one of the things really 
the key factors was that the people are still spending money. They're spending it differently, but they're actually still spending money, which, you know, again, we talked about, we talk about inflation. What does that mean? Is that good or bad? But um, the Financial Times article, and I think the Wall Street Journal article talked about Wall, the Walmart specifically seeing a higher increase of households over $100,000 shopping. And that basically, this is what you and I always talk about, is that we haven't seen a, necessarily a stop as much as a evolution or change. And I don't want to oversimplify it, where some people are just taking a step down and saying, like, I don't really need to buy that brand. I can buy an off-brand product. And in some cases, they're doing it out of sheer caution, not because they don't have cash in hand. So, yeah, I mean, I think just in general, the whether or not you need to be cutting your budget back, and plenty of people do, but just the kind of constant talk about it makes everybody think about it, right? So to your point, like, you know, if you're going to go buy some back to school supplies, you're like, well, do I really need to go to, I don't know, whatever upmarket back to school supply place you would go to, but <laughs> let me go to, you know, a, a more bulk a supplier of goods instead. I think that's it. It's just a, a trend that's that's out there. I read this a similar story about uh, a lot of people from upper income brackets now eating more and more at IHOP. Um, they had released some earnings where they're like, we're losing some of our our lower income diners because they don't have the funds to go to go out and eat, but they're gaining. Higher end income diners um, because they're stepping down from where they went before. You know, it's interesting. Yeah, and and I, I I resist getting too far into this statement because it wasn't factual. And you and I really always talk about how we have to be careful with what the media says. But there was in multiple articles talk about how people were turning to cash and debit versus store credit because of the interest rate increases. Again, very anecdotal. There wasn't data to support it, so I, I'm cautious. But logically. You, I would think you would see more of that, and we know that from the past. So, Because a lot of people are just talking about it. There's like a spillover effect where people are thinking, oh, yeah, there is this really high interest rate on this particular card or whatever, so I should probably not put more money on that, and I will use cash or to help budget or all those sorts of things. But I think on the retail side, what's what's interesting is it'll be interesting to hear maybe at our conference in San Diego, for instance, from some retailers that are going to be there, uh, you know, if they're actually seeing an increase in cash transactions, you know, we, we won't see that in the next Fed's diary study until at some point next year. So we're going to have to wait a little while to actually see if there is this in increase in cash spending, but maybe some of the retailers that, that are there, or maybe we'll see reports in, in the near term that speak to that specifically, because I don't know. I don't know of any data that's out there yet that is is saying more cash is being used. But it would definitely seem that as a percentage of what's being spent at these stores, it would make sense for cash to have increased a little bit over the past few months. And if that's the case, I know from talking to some of the suppliers that are going to be working with us at our various upcoming shows that they are very busy um, and doing a lot of sales of things like recyclers and smart safes and point of sale cash recycling devices and all that sort of stuff, which which takes the cost out of handling the cash at the retail level. So I think, you know, ecosystem is going to keep moving in that direction and things like a recession, not that we're necessarily in one, but things like that um, definitely push more cash <laughs> to be used. We've seen that in history. I was just putting together some information on digital payments, what it looks like, and, you know, it's a 
it's one of those things where digital payments and the, the forces that push digital payments are definitely out there. However, when you look at the growth rate of cash, it is skyrocketing. I think through April or something like that, U.S. currency had grown like 7%, which is high from a growth rate in terms of cash outstanding. It's out there. Just on the consumer trend front, like retail spending was flat from June to July, which means that it didn't decline. I know there was a lot of data specific to grocer, which, you know, had a, a consumer spend, but it, again, none of it really was speaking to cash. So I think we'll keep an eye on it and we'll watch it, you know, to see. But you and I are going to be at, at a conference in October and we're going to talk about CDBCs. So I, th- I thought maybe we'd talk a little bit about that today because there was there's been a tremendous, I mean, a, a, an influx of news around digital currency, both cryptocurrency, CDCs. I mean, just a whole bunch of, of news so uh, the one piece that I thought was interesting and, and full disclosure for the listeners, I, I, I by no means want to portray that I'm an expert here and I don't think Sean does either, but there was a really interesting article about Nigeria's CDBC and the fact that 800,000 users or 840,000 people downloaded their app and then that 33 million adults in Nigeria held some form of cryptocurrency. And again, I always take articles with a grain of salt because keep in mind, this was Bitcoin.com that wrote it. So like, <laughs> there might be a little biased that the use of uh, central bank digital currency could uh, eliminate the need for cash in Nigeria. It's important to note that while Nigeria is a relatively small GDP, they do have a, a pretty large population, over 200 million people. So 33 million is a, is a respectable number in, in, in any population. But I thought it was really interesting that the article stated specifically that central bank representatives said that they saw a trend of elimination of cash. And I want to know what your thoughts were there. One of the big benefits in countries like Nigeria when you put in a CBDC is financial inclusion, right? I mean, there's most of the population is unbanked. Half of the population is estimated to be unbanked, right? So they- Huge. It's, it's actually crazy when you think of- Yeah, I mean, it's- 200 million people, 100 million people unbanked is wild when you really think about it. So, I mean, just for, for people to be able to get currency, what you were to transact, right? They, they work, they get a paycheck, they're likely paid in cash. If, if they want to transfer money to someone else in the family or, or what have you, I mean, it generally takes, you know, it's a days long process of going to a faraway town or village and sitting with somebody who actually can take that currency and Maybe it's loaded onto a an e-money platform on a on a cell phone or something like that, and it's it's not a very easy, uh, it's very time-consuming. And while you're doing that, right, you're you're taking the time to do that, and you're not working, so you're losing out on income, and it's a it's a challenge. In environments like that, mobile money can really help. And if you make it a central bank digital currency, where it's just you know, the electronic form of a central bank issued currency, you can potentially eliminate all of those middlemen steps and not have to have, I don't know enough about the eNIRA to know uh, what the bank account restrictions are, or if it's an account directly with the central bank or, or how exactly it works. But, you know, you could in theory get, get a lot more people into the financial system and just more connected um, with that sort of thing. But even with that, 
I would say, as far as I know, Nigeria is still very, very cash dependent. And I don't think it's anywhere close to being driven to cashless. Yeah. So it's interesting because I know that we'll probably talk about this when we speak and we'll probably have more to speak about it. But like when you take a country like Mexico, which is very different than Nigeria, but has 125 million people in it, and they're about 60% unbanked. There's kind of a theme of where countries are saying CDBC to try to get inclusion. However, you and I often talk about this. You're not going to pay a tradesman with electronic form yet. Like there has to be a method to consume and pass. And, you know, these app-based methods are sometimes euphoric and sound easy, but then you get into things like in using Mexico as an example, I think, you know, 94% or 95% of the population that is banked uses a mobile bank. The thing that we often forget is how many people don't even have access to internet in some of these countries or devices. So there's this whole ecosystem of when you read that article at face value, like, yeah, I'm not sure that in certain parts of this country that there even isn't even the infrastructure to support the digital payments yet. That doesn't mean it's not coming. That's not saying that they're not super developed. It's just, I think it's very interesting. And I continuously, when I read and talk to folks about this, am surprised, I would say, that some of these examples aren't really relatable to the US, aren't really relatable to you know some of the things that are going on here. The other thing is, I think digital currency is a gray term now and everything gets lumped together. So you, you, know, you have people... Um, in our circle, Sean, and I'll use our circle as the people that are in the financial industry, chatting with me and talking about, you know, three things that are completely separate, but the only thing that's the same are digital, like cryptocurrency, you know, some of these crypto brokers, and then they're talking about central bank digital currency. And immediately I'm like, well, they're really three completely different conversations. And I think they're easy to, because they sound the same. And I said this a million times, and I know you've said this too, is like, I look at a central big digital currency similar to an ATM card or a debit card, more of a debit card, where it's just another method to transfer, you know, a backed currency. I don't actually see any similarities to a cryptocurrency, even if you used blockchain, which to to make that transfer happen, it's still completely different. So I I think that, I think we'll be talking about this for as long as we do the podcast, to be honest. I I don't think we'll see it dissipating out anytime soon. No, no, that's right. And I think you know, when you're talking crypto, you're you're talking about all sorts of, and we've talked about it before, but you're you're talking about a lot of unregulated stuff. You're talking about a lot of risk. You're just a lot of speculation, and it can make people some serious money. But again, I I always just look look at them as you know investments, right? Risk and risky investments. At that, you, you can make yeah. a lot of money or you can lose a lot of money. I don't think a lot of the ones that are out there are great in terms of transactions. It's hard to make a, a transaction with with crypto. You know, there's a lot of interesting stuff going on in terms of stable coins and in terms of ways to use crypto exchanges. So you can go from one crypto to the other and, and make that sort of transition. But at some point, you if you're going to buy a product, you're more than likely going to have to transfer out of that crypto into actual currency. Um, yeah. and, and, that, that, and that's where that becomes the challenge. Right. Yeah. And that, and that, and then what I, I say is, what's the risk? What's the infrastructure? All of the things that go along with it. And to your point, I think there's a lot of talk about it. Like in certain countries, I can see, you know, it, there's a correlation, right? In Mexico, there's 60% of the population is unbanked, but 60% of the population has a smartphone. 
right? So like the, you could see that transition really easy there, or at least I could. Yeah, no, I mean, I think you can definitely see the, the transition, but it, it's also it's also about trust at that point. And, you know, it's, it's you know, you look at places like some countries in, in Europe, you know, Germany, for instance, super cash intensive. It's not like there aren't alternatives. There's every alternative you can think of, but people just prefer cash. <laughs> So, I mean, a CBDC will likely not change that. It's something that's out there, something that will be interesting to watch, but it's definitely, I haven't seen anywhere yet, again, unless the government actually comes in and says, we are replacing cash with a CBDC, which most like 98% of governments that I can think of would not say that. Yeah, if, they, if they do, okay, well, then you're going to transition. If, if the country I, I, somewhere I, wants to transition. Uh, yeah, I mean, the, the benefit at that point, you can argue is a less cost system, as long as it works. But God help you if you can't, if you need to fail back to a, a paper-based you know, because your system goes down, your electronics go down for whatever reason. Yeah, could you imagine? You think that you're in a world of hurt. challenge? <laughs> the coin challenge, uh, the coin uh, shortage is a challenge, or the coin cha- logistic challenge, whatever you're going to call it. Imagine if you could not actually take paper notes today anymore, and there was no digital infrastructure. Then you're out of business, and people could essentially be in a lot of hurt. Interesting thing, because I, I I couldn't help it. I looked it up while we were talking, just because. I thought that it was an interesting stat that 33 million people in Nigeria held crypto and they had 840,000 usage of this app. Here's a, a real fact, though, that I think plays a role in this. Only 34% of the population owns a smartphone, which means yeah, sure. how do you use an app-based approach if only it isn't actually statistically possible to eliminate coin? You'd have to give everybody phones because you don't have a method to actually manage it because it's an app-based method. So that's what I often... You have to give everybody a phone and you got to give everybody a bank account. Two pretty <laughs> big hurdles. Uh, and service, right? The phone's not even the issue. Is there service? Oh, and there's service. Yeah. Who's their bank? That, I just think it's it's so interesting that we talk about this all the time. And I, I do think CDBCs are coming and I, I think there's a reason to have them, but I, I think it's part of the evolution and not the changeover. So how long... This is... Normally we talk for like a half an hour. I, I thought there was a story, and we're not going to spend a lot of time on it. That hit yesterday about um, this is super payment driven, but I just I felt like we should talk about it. Is there was a um, an unfortunate robbery of a bank a brink truck that um, had several million dollars. Obviously, again, I'm reading notes from the Los Angeles Times. So if, if it's incorrect, it's not me or Sean. We're just, we're just kind of regurgitating. But a multi-million dollar jewelry heist sounds like it was a big truck. Doesn't sound like it was a little, but... And it was jewelry. Yeah, there was no... Yeah. As far as we know, there was no cash taken. It was jewelry. Yeah, no, interesting story, right? I mean, it, it speaks to what a lot of presumably our listeners are dealing with on a day in and day out basis, which is securing valuables, right? And and limiting that risk. I think, you know, interestingly, talking about the digital aspect and the physical aspect, this kind of also goes back to what we've said before too, where it's yes, it's horrible that there was a a robbery of the brink struck. Luckily nobody was hurt. It was, you know, it's it's valuables, there's insurance, not to minimize it, but could have been a lot worse. But I mean the the interesting piece that I, I take away from it is is like you have that theft and once again it's limited to what's in the truck. Yeah. <laughs> right? And so as you started it, you're like you're just like, yeah, you know, there's a lot of jewelry in there and it was a couple million dollars. And it's like, okay, well, just think of that in contrast to some of the stories we've talked about over our past episodes of 
hundreds of millions of dollars, billions, uh, billions of dollars yeah. that are that are instantaneously wiped out of crypto exchanges. Yeah, from a fraud perspective, there's two. The FBI put their first woman on the top ten list, and she swindled people out of four billion dollars in crypto now. And then there are multiple examples of some of them are a little wild, like cryptocurrency founder in Canada that passed away, and he had the key, and now. Right get their money but there are yeah there's definitely exposures on all fronts i think that was kind of the, the whole point of it and i think this is you know to your point we don't know if there was cash in it but we you know if it feels like it's we have guests all the time that are talking about that very challenge that they have and what is occurring and I think it's a very valid point. Yeah, and I, I think we know that with the with the pandemic and there's changes in the way folks do business and people are not staffed as well as they used to be and handling valuables takes time. So there is definitely changes in the and I'm sure this is your this is your day job. You know all about this. There's there's changes in the the risk profile and and the threat levels that are out there. And you know it's harder economic times, so this stuff will happen. I mean the the good news to some extent. <laughs> is unlike the crypto side where we're, you know, the risk is huge. And I'd say the education level is lacking while it's increasing in terms of how to secure it and what the risks actually are and all that sort of stuff. There's a lot of unknowns there still. From a valuables perspective, these incidents do occasionally occur, but we pretty much have a pretty, the industry has a pretty darn good handle on how to secure valuables, you know, secure them. And yeah, things happen in this case. I think the driver was asleep and some, I don't know, things yeah, well, happen, <laughs> but it happens. It, it, yeah. really, it really does. And I, I think to your point is we've been securing stuff for a really long time. And as someone that spent their whole entire adult life in this space, the very best security measures in the world usually are broken by one or two small human elements that that happen. I mean, it's just the reality of what it is. We sit out in the digital space too. Like when there are major digital events, it's usually some sort of human in, in, interaction. Certainly there are vulnerabilities that are exploited in, 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 in the cyber world. But I think more often than not, you, and there's actually statistics to back this, that if you had eliminated the human element, of it, you'd have almost no challenges, which will never happen. We'll continue to talk about, you know, CBC, uh, CBTC. I can't say that. <laughs> I was doing fine until just now because I think, you know, China talked about public transport using it. I mean, there's a lot of great news, and I know that you and I are going to talk about it live. And um, we're also going to broadcast live from SCTA in, I think it's the first or second week of October, uh, October 6th, 7th, and 8th, I think. Yeah, we'll be at the SCTA show in Chicago in October, and then we'll be at our show in San Diego, the Cash Cycle Seminar, in November. So we'll be... There's live broadcasts coming up with a lot of interesting people at various places. Yeah, it's going to be fun. And I, I'm super really getting every day, I get more and more excited about San Diego because we're going to get to talk about some, it's much, you know, a lot of broad topics. Uh, I thought DC was great. I can't wait to do it. And I'm excited that you, I think we're doing it together. I'm definitely doing it with some folks from my team, uh, a design thinking workshop, which is going to be amazing. Everyone that I've ever been a part of has really been beneficial. So we got a lot of stuff coming there. And then uh, I think we're going to do this again next week for some reason or the week <laughs> after. We'll be here. Uh, I am sure we are. Yeah. I, I, I Actually, next week, I think I might be on vacation. The final summer week. Yeah. yeah, go, yeah. go enjoy it. Yeah, the summer week. Although we were supposed to do one from the beach, but you were at the pool and said you didn't really want to do it from the pool. Well, yeah, it gets, it gets distracting. We should have done one from the pool. <laughs> 
Maybe if Chicago is warm enough, we'll do a live taping. You never know what Sean and I, anything can happen. Never know. It, it's, it's possible. It'll be at Lake Michigan. <laughs> live from Lake Michigan. Live from Lake Michigan. To talk about special big digital currencies and what's going on in payments. Yeah. So, so funny. I'm going to leave with this, Sean. Funny story. Someone said to me, oh, I, I saw a post about the Cash News podcast. What's it about? And I I'm said, give you one guess. I'm going to say, well, <laughs> like something about cash. I'm assuming you talk about cash. I'm like, that's what we talk about. Payments and abuse of it. So I, I, the reason I say that is as I continue to talk to people, why, why, why? I, I don't know, but we can, I continue to get the same thing. Like, yeah, I saw your post. I clicked on it. I watched the video, which is always good to hear. So you're one of 10 people that watch the video, but then there's several hundred people that listen because we can see on certain platforms, which is nice. Sometimes we see several hundred people listening, but we're also finding that people aren't necessarily subscribing and it helps, it helps get the word out. So if you are listening, do us a favor and subscribe. You know, a lot of people use different platforms for different reasons. If you use Spotify, I found that some people don't subscribe, but we're in their, their a playlist, but they don't actually subscribe to us. Subscribe really helps Sean and I get the word out. Uh, we do it for you. Uh, and that is the truth. It's just Sean and I, we do this just to, to kind of help get the information out. So hopefully you, you find use of it. Reach out. We do have some guests lined up. I actually exchanged some emails. So I'm really excited over the next couple of weeks from a timing perspective. We'll have uh, one of the top recognized experts. I think he's top 10 in the world for consumer trends is going to be on talking about payment and consumer trends. He's going to join us. And then we have some other folks coming on. So that's exciting. And then to show him what, man, we're going to have people live, which is yep. always fun. Yeah, no, we'll get we'll get some interesting perspectives live, not just from the U.S., but hopefully from some Latin American countries and that sort of stuff too. When we're especially when we're in San Diego, so it should be pretty interesting. Yeah, definitely. And if if you're interested, reach out to us. If you're if you're listening to this podcast, you should know how to find us. If you don't, we're pretty easy to find. LinkedIn is is an easy place. Uh, the cast news on Twitter on the website. Reach out, Sean. I'm giving it to you for parting words, my friends. Well, have a lovely day. I mean, it's, I have no, I have no wisdom to offer you today, other than, uh, yeah, definitely look at one of the one of the places we're going to be, because as Tom said, it's uh, fun to come hang out with us and and see us. So, whether it's Chicago or San Diego or who knows, some other places we'll be at in the coming months. Um, we'd love to see you, and and yeah, please do come on because we we do like the guests. Definitely adds a good dynamic. So, looking forward to continuing discussions. And Tom, have a good week next week. We probably won't talk. Enjoy your vacation. And, right. uh, I think actually you know what i think the week after that let's check calendars i might be in manila yeah so maybe there's something i can do there too to bring in some regional flair so we'll figure something out we could we, we, we can do it we can do it uh, you know a, a multi multi-nation broadcast live it's we the, could it is the modern day and I, even though there's a time difference i'm okay with staying up really late for you or getting up really early we'll figure it out all right thanks everybody thanks for listening to the cash news podcast we hope you found this episode insightful Don't forget to like and review us on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Follow us on LinkedIn and Twitter, and be sure to visit us at thecashnews.com to stay up to date with the latest on the world of cash. Thanks again for listening to the Cash News Podcast.